Are you a fresh fountain pen fanatic? A certified calligraphy connoisseur? Whether you're new to the niche or a seasoned supporter, you are in the right place. Hello and welcome to the Nib Section, the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Here in the Nib Section, we gather knowledgeable locals, as well as the less clued-in enthusiasts, throw them in a cage with steel fencing, and place bets as they discuss ink delivery systems at length. Before we go any further, let's introduce our host for the episode, uh, Chrissy. Welcome back. Hi, thank you. Glad to be back. Myself, I'm Wing Commander Chucks Montano. I like some pilots. I'm very likely the least informed person here. Neophytes and novices, I will be right there learning with you. Our guest hosts for the episode, a paired set, I'd like to introduce Sophia and Mark. Thank you both for joining the show. Hello, everyone. Hello. Glad to be um, Yeah, my passion for fountain pens started about seven years ago. And I gave into the addiction five years ago. Okay. Well, what, what are we all writing with today? Um, today, I'm actually using a uh, Lamy All-Star, but the clincher here is it's got a 14 karat gold nib on it. Um, is that from the uh, from the studio or the... no? No, I just had the nib hanging around. Um, that pays off working in a pen shop. <laughs> there you go. So there you go. What about you, Sophia? Uh, I've got a stock palette firmo with my name engraved on it. Very pretty. Very cool. Yes, it's a green lacquered body, and I've got uh, just a standard medium nib. No. Today I'm only um, using a, a Twisby Eco with a 1.1 stub. In it, I've got featured the Diamond Shimmertastic ink in the Pizzazz. Very pretty with its gold sparkles, and it works quite well on normal Alphas paper, I find. There you go. Uh, I've got the Pilot Custom A23 uh, Amber Demonstrator in a Broad Architect, and I've got some Orochizuku Tsukiyo. Uh, we've got a lot to get through today. Uh, Mike and Sophia are going to be center stage for the bulk of it, uh, but we'll get into some listener feedback on the last episode into our mailbag. Maria on the FPO Discord server wrote, uh, Woo! Listening to the episode now. Thanks for the hard work, guys. Just a quick suggestion. Uh, RE tip sizes might be good to point to resources like the Goulet Nib Nook or Nibs.com tipping size measurements. Also, I guess along that line, if there are going to be reviews of something, measurable line width would be a great thing to know. Maria, thanks for your suggestion. Nib sizes is definitely a source of confusion for many fountain pen users. There's no standardized width for nibs across the industry, as you might have gathered from my discussion in the first episode. We can talk all we want about Japanese fines and European broads, but there are plenty of exceptions to every rule. Now, there's a couple of online resources that can help you figure out the expected width of a particular nib, and Maria has mentioned two of the most useful ones. The first is the Nibnook, which is a nib comparison database created by the Goulet Pen Company. That lets you compare writing samples made by up to eight different nibs from a variety of brands. Faber-Castell, Twisby, Visconti, Parker, Sailor, and many others. The other is a nib tipping size measurement table provided by Classic Fountain Pens, and it also covers a lot of the more common pen brands. Uh, if any of you have used the Nibnook or the Nib Size Chart at nibs.com, let us know if you found them helpful or not. Uh, Mike, Sophia, Chrissy, have, have you guys found those resources? Quite useful in purchasing my first sort of pens. Uh, so, Goulet was my first source of finding information with their 
uh, YouTube videos. Uh, I didn't know much about it, so I didn't know what I was getting myself into, apart from that the hobby could be expensive. Uh, didn't know what I liked, if I preferred a fine, a medium or a broad, um, and just to, it was quite nice to see photographs, especially on the Gulag Nibs uh, webpage, that they had uh, direct comparisons with the, the same text that they were writing, uh, straight lines, the cross hatches that they were using, and uh, no, extremely useful for, for somebody just diving into the, into the hobby. And it's good when it's uh, not just on a blank sheet of paper and it's it's on grid or dot grid, so yes. you can have a comparison size. Mm. Oh, what about you, Mike and Sophia? Well, I find um, the the Google A site and nibs.com, they're great, but nothing beats physically testing. Okay. Correct. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you go into a brick-and-mortar store and test it, it is 100% better than buying online completely blind. Mm. That's just simply my opinion, I think. You're better off trying a pen before you buy. Yeah, and if you can tap into the communities around you, like the Sydney pen community here, every time we meet up, you know, everyone brings all their pens along. So if you have a particular pen you're really interested in, I'm sure someone else would be happy to let you borrow it for a moment. There's also a lot of inconsistencies uh, with a lot of the mass-produced models. I've had three different Lamy mediums, which have written three different ways. (laughs) Um, So we'll move on to our... Uh, featured topics for the episode. That's uh, the Goulet Pens nib nook and the nibs.com nib tipping sizes chart, uh, if you're keeping track. So uh, this is actually a reshoot. We have managed to get uh, one episode in before needing to re-record. Uh, I kind of think of it as like uh, when you move into a new place, you're meant to break a bowl or a glass or something. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're meant to, but I do. Um, but the... We're going to get back to Mike and Sophia's Japan adventures. Uh, Pretty exciting one for me to hear about. Uh, Hopefully a lot of listeners. Uh, I'm pretty big on Japanese pens now, but unfortunately last time I was there, I wasn't as into fountain pens as I am now, which is a shame. Luck is 90% timing. I understand the two of you took a trip to Japan recently, but unlike myself, you managed to go on some very pen-centric adventures while you were there. Do you want to tell us something about it? Yes. (laughs) Um... So, I'll give you a brief, brief history of how we actually met. Yes. Um, so, Sophia and I, uh, originally, with the, uh, I work at a, a bookshop slash Dimix. Oh, my God. I, I, oh. So, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the, the yeah. only reason behind why we got together was from the pens. I have... Yes. <laughs> So I visited Mark quite a fair few times at uh, a local pen store in Sydney, uh, and at first, you know, it was a, a very amicable exchange. <laughs> yes, uh, but thanks to the Sydney meets and the Melbourne pen show, uh, we got a bit closer, and because of that, we went on a J- uh, Japan trip. So it wasn't it wasn't a write your number on the receipt situation. No, <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> Our first proper interaction was actually at um, the Pelican Hub. Yeah, which is coming up very soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to the uh, <laughs> hand. Um, so why did we choose Japan? Oh, yeah. other than food and culture um, and the spring blossoms as well. Um, it was mainly for the fountain pens. It was really about fountain pens. Uh, so Japan is well known for pilot and sailor. And, and that's the two areas we're going to be covering today. Absolutely. Specifically and in the Sailor Inks. Mm-hmm. 
and we managed to do a pilot factory tour. So that's our two segments we're going to cover today. Yeah, so coming back to Sailor Inks, they've got uh, an exclusive line for a lot of wonderful pen shops scattered around Japan. Uh, so if you are planning to go to Japan and you love fountain pens, it is worthwhile planning a trip between different cities. Uh, for us, I think the three main stores that we loved uh, was Bunko Box, which was in Shibuya. So if your first stop is in Tokyo, definitely visit Omoto Sando. Uh, and go in try out all the inks as well as the stationery store down the street. Uh, after that, Kobe. No one really thinks about Kobe, but uh, I think that was the highlight for us. Yes, that was a brilliant area. It was almost like, um, to put it for the Sydney side of the area, it was almost like Newtown for all oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. the Yeah, but it was really, really laid back compared to Tokyo where it's really hustle and bustle. I think that's because it's a port city as well. There's a rich history there and a lot of the exclusive inks, the actual Kobe inks, are based on that. So um, I think at the end of this we'll tell you guys what our top three inks are, uh, but one is definitely a highlight from the Kobe ink range. Kobe's not really that, that hard to get to. No, not at all. So if you go if you're going to be in Kyoto or in Osaka, it's yep. actually in between. So it's definitely a day trip, uh, and we're happy. What to was it like half an hour? Yeah, from half an hour. Kyoto, yep. And then we're happy to put the addresses on the Facebook page for you guys if you're keen. Okay. Uh, the next one was uh, Senkoto mm-hmm. and imagine. Nagoya. Yeah. Um, we met a lovely old couple there. Yeah, Makoto um, and Siyako and the guy. Hello, guys. Hello. <laughs> uh, they were all about the sheen, and they actually found out about Robert Oster. Uh, from you know a, a Chinese customer of theirs, so it's amazing wow. how you know they travels, yeah. yes, and very quickly as well. Very very quickly, uh, but definitely if you can go to Nagoya, it is a little bit uh, out in the suburbs. Uh, there aren't any sort of touristy traps there, but if you want a bit of slice of life in Japan, uh, visit Senkoto in Nagoya. So in a, in a nutshell, would you say you know planning planning your trips around Japan for your pen visits and whatnot? Definitely plan it out. You'll just be overwhelmed, or yeah. just trying to soak it all in. Oh, there's so many stores that we, we missed out on um, this time, and I'm keen to, to visit next. That's the beauty of it. You yeah. can plan as much as you want, mm. but that you're always going to miss out on something mm. because there's just always a hundred more that you could possibly go to. Absolutely. Yeah. What was the service like? So good. <laughs> so Japan's renowned for, for great hospitality. You walk in and your best friends off the bat and they're really dedicated to you as uh, you know, to create a whole experience rather than just push the product onto you. So we found that we were able to just take our time and test out all the different inks. You never felt like you were rushed at all. Mm. You were just always relaxed and you could just take your time and try as many inks as you want doesn't matter if there was other people coming by, they will always be able to divide their focus appropriately, yeah. There's not a lot of hide-sell in Japan. But uh, you you do bring up an an interesting point. There's no... You can plan parts of Japan, but it'll it'll always go right. I've been three times for, like, around about a month each time, and only after the third was I like, okay, now I I think I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we've only been twice, so I'm really keen to go again next year. Yeah. <laughs> Make it a yearly thing. Oh, definitely. 
Okay. Uh, but yeah, in terms of the inks, uh, what were your top three, Mark? Oh, I've, uh, my top three, uh, Sankoto Forest Green from Nagoya, um, and then two Bung Box uh, inks, which was the Imperial Purple and the Sweet Potato Yellow. Oh, yeah, definitely. The, the Sweet Potato Yellow was also in my top three because of the amount of shading. And it's just a, such a bright colour that, you know, you, you can't go wrong. It makes you so happy when you use it. Um, the other one was in the Kobe Ink range. Uh, it's numbered 41, but it's also known as Suma Rikuros. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong with that pronunciation. Uh, but also uh, the Pen and Message, uh, which is another store in Kobe. Uh, they have this amazing ink called Cigar that changes color when you write. And it has such character to it. There's shading, there's sheen, uh, and you just can't describe the color. So I'll also put a sample of that up on the page. Excellent. Speaking of uh, ink, I understand, uh, Mike, you, you got yourself something a little more permanent while you are in did. Japan. I actually got the Kobe ink tattooed on my arm, but um, <laughs> to complement the uh, M800 that I already have tattooed on my arm. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple of options there for you guys if you want to get some ink in Japan. Um, so you've, uh, you've mentioned this before, and uh, the two of you actually managed to go on a factory tour which is not normally accessible to the public. Do you want to tell us something about that? So where I work, I managed to pull some strings. Um, so when we, when we arrived in uh, Tokyo, um, so we met up with the uh, territory manager of the Oceana area, area uh, Daisuke? Daisuke! Uh, hello, Daisuke. Hello. <laughs> um, he showed us a couple of the main department stores and main big stationery shops. Mm -hmm. The two main ones that he showed us was a Toya. Yes. Uh, where we got matching Fermos, <laughs> Fermos done. Um, and, and then the second department was Marizen, which is actually a very old, very old. chain, um, full of history again. Like we even have a vintage bowl of Athena ink that we managed it. to pick up. Yeah. Uh, but back to Pilot Pen. So uh, the factory tour itself, uh, it was based in Hiratsuka, which is just an hour south of Tokyo. But unfortunately, due to the secrecy, we weren't allowed to take any videos or photos. <laughs> um, but the, the process itself was absolutely amazing. That's right. We're a podcast. We can't show. Photos. <laughs> 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 just believe us. <laughs> um, but the process, a large chunk of the process was actually done by hand, mm. um, and that was incredible. It's actually seeing the tipping physically welded on by hand, the tines split down the middle by hand. It's, it's amazing how much was still physically done yeah. by people and not automated machines. Yeah. And it was funny because um, someone mentioned a while back that, you know, with the, the vanishing point, a lot of people don't like that band around the body because they feel like it's a distraction. Um, but, but they take pride in that. They band. take pride in that because it's down to those little fine details. If they're able to polish it in a way that just looks perfect, then their job is done. And so we were able to really uh, appreciate the fact that they do put so much care and so much detail into every single pen. Indeed, yeah. Uh, so the next uh, factory they took us within the, the same area was the Namiki factory. Oh, so cool. Um, they had probably 100 years worth of marquee on display. Wow. 
So all different Arushi lacquer and just different pens. And there was even a lovely like jewelry box made by one of the artists. Absolutely. There's over the hundred, no, 99 years of pilot. There's only been about 23, 24 Marquier artists. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, keep an eye out next year because the hundred years anniversary is coming, which means there's going to be obviously some lovely special editions coming out. Mm-hmm. They able to impart any you know insight of what that may be? <laughs> <laughs> <It's all completely laughs> they yeah. don't yeah. even know secret. themselves. So. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a privilege, and um, it just makes us feel a little bit more, I guess. Look, this this addiction of ours isn't wasted. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I I went to uh, Toya as well uh, when I was there, but this was pre fountain pens. Yeah. But I was into ink, so I did manage to come back with some Arushizuku and some um, some big brush scissors, which uh, actually don't remember how I got through customs, but <laughs> I did. That's the important thing. Um, what what else did you guys uh, do? What what would you rate apart from your pen specific experiences in Japan? Kobe in Kobe for me, uh, we went off the beaten track a little bit and we actually came across some um, vintage record stores. Yeah, that was amazing because they were actually stacked super duper high, Not and you had to you had to yeah. just kind of rifle your way through. And we found some amazing stuff and it was really cheap too like if you had found that in a, in a vintage store in Australia it would cost a fortune uh-huh, um, but that was the main highlight for me in Kobe in Japan yeah and you oh gosh that's so one, one thing <laughs> just all the food everyone talks about 7-Eleven convenience food and there's, and there's no competition there's no in the competition. world it's like three o'clock in the morning, you're hungry, you go in and it's just like you've got a warm rice ball waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that and just the fact that you can get everything in a vending machine. We're able to get nuts in a vending machine, beer in a vending machine. Or like food in general, just, 24 hours if yeah. you want a ramen. At two in the morning. Yeah. 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 My girlfriend bought a croque monsieur at three thirty in the morning and cried because (laughs) she got exactly what she wanted at three thirty in the morning and didn't have to settle for whatever was around. She wept. (laughs) (laughs) Japan is uh, definitely a priority visit. I I think you should go if you if you haven't been there. Uh, I've spent a lot of time there, and I if uh, I had to go again, I uh, I don't think I'd. Give it a second thought. I'll be honest, if I went to Japan, like, come on, I'm taking these two with me. <laughs> come on. Going for a factory tour. Like, on, let's pull some strings here. Let's, let's come on. Let's get a group going. Oh, that and <laughs> gaming. We have oh, so many talking. great little, like, vintage game shops as well. But, yeah. Just go. Just go to Japan. <laughs> Before we move on to our next topic, uh, we're going to have a little round of uh, quick tips uh, from the host, uh, Fountain Pen Related. Uh, guys, do you wanna do you wanna say anything to our listeners? I'll go on. If you're storing your pens for an extended period, please, 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 flush your pens out. Don't leave ink in them. It's a good way to. Um, I wouldn't say hurt your pen, but it can, for extended periods, do a little bit of damage. So yeah, flush your pens out if you're putting them into storage. Gosh, I don't know anything else that trumps that. Just be a little bit easier on your pens as well. I know a lot of people tend to kind of push a little bit too much on that nib to get a bit of variation. You know, there's so many different nibs out there. If you are looking for something different, just buy another pen. 
<laughs> I'll just get get another nib for your pen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone. Like like I've said before, like I'm a fan of European pens and stubs and boards, but I'm slowly coming around finding with, with different tasks, uh, fines and extra fines uh, certainly do have their place. Uh, yeah, get out of your comfort zones. Try different pens. Try different brands. Um, experience them all. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say something more in, more in line with Chrissy. Uh, and I'm going to say, turn your grail into an EDC for a little while. See how yes. that treats you. You know, it can be, it can be very, uh, it, it's sort of a natural thing to take your, your most precious pen and leave it at home and never take it anywhere, but maybe take it somewhere. Cause, uh, that's, uh, you may find that deal, uh, Trump, a lot of the the other EDCs, and I mean, let's face it, you you are going to buy another one. So. Yes. <laughs> um, so let, let's There's never uh, one pen to rule them all. No. no. Uh, so let's uh, take it to a new topic now. Um, over the last couple of weeks, the pen community on Facebook, Reddit, and uh, Instagram has been uh, feverishly posting about the DC Pen Show, which has been held recently on the third to the sixth of August. It's an annual U.S. event, now in its 26th year. According to the organizers, it is the largest pen event in the world. And from the photos that participants took from the show, rows upon rows of tables, tray after tray of fountain pens, I can definitely believe the statement. Now, we're a long way away from D.C., here in Australia and New Zealand, and uh, as much as we'd like to go to the U.S. for a major pen show... Uh, it's not possible for many of us, so I'm sure people from the Australian East Coast, in particular Sydney, will be excited to hear about an upcoming event that our guests, Sophia and Mike, are working on. I've heard some rumblings and rumors, but I'd like to hear about it directly from the two of you. Can you tell us a little about what you're working on and uh, some ahead-of-the-curve information? Sure. Um, so, the main reason why we're putting this together is simply because at the moment there's no presence of a expo or show within Sydney um, or within this region of Australia. I mean, we do have the Melbourne Pen Show and that has its purpose, which is, for the majority part, vintage. Um, but I would like to see a, a pen show within Australia that actually covers both modern and vintage. That is the main goal. Um, it's very much in the early stages. Uh, we're talking to a lot of the community to see what they want. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, our, our long-term hope is just to see if we can have products launched here in Australia, kind of, you know, get especially ink specifically for us here in Australia to our tastes uh, and, you know, something a little bit different. Something close to the home. Yeah, close to home. <laughs> this is a long way to go. It is indeed. Uh, so if you guys do want to be involved or would like to sponsor or have a stall, uh, shoot us an email at admin at sydneypenshow.com.au. The other advantage of uh, you guys are working on this uh, Sydney Pen Show is a lot of people on the fence are really just waiting for a chance to try something they like. Mm. And, uh, you know, going into a store gives the sort of expectation that you're going to buy something. But when you go to a meet up like uh, one of the ones from Fountain Pens Oceania or to the uh, upcoming Sydney Pen Show, then uh, there's a lot of chance to try something and really, you know, confirm that you like it before you uh, dive head first. Okay. I think there's that appeal as well, like to, to speak with other hobbyists 
who just appreciate the pens for the tools that they are or the pieces of art that they are uh, yeah just to echo on that you're not in the pressure to buy you're in an environment of fellow people who understand how these are used um, and and yeah you're just not pressured uh, as someone who frequents into into the QVB um, and Dimmick stores and whatnot so I, I can't help being both sides of the counter with retail experience is that there is some sort of pressure to buy or and if you don't buy you just get snobbed uh, this this show I believe um, gives us also an insight well what sort of education there is out there how to treat your pens how to uh, both modern and and vintage this example being like a, a sack filled pen um, requires different care, say, to a cartridge converter. A cartridge converter, yes. All right. it's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot more. It's a lot more tactile as well. Um, and you know, with sharing sharing tools around, and some people respond a lot better to have, having something in their hand and um, mm. sharing sharing tools like that rather than shopping online. Yeah, it it also crosses over. It's a good chance to um, grow the community. Uh, you know, there's a lot of users around that will share their pens that you may be thinking about buying, may have bought before, and may be able to put some information towards. Uh, that's that's my two cents. But uh, do we have any uh, expected date? We're not we're not looking for specifics. We, we just, month and year is probably. We're aiming at the moment uh, for August 2018. Um, that's yeah, that's what we're hoping for. Mm. Which will probably coincide with the pilot 100 year I hope so yeah. <laughs> that'd be nice <laughs> yeah. so let's uh, let's get into some news uh, it's a bit of a grab bag segment of things that are going on in the community hot topics controversies and announcements uh, first up direct from the horse's mouths James of Pens and Pens in Australia and Renee of Classic Pens New Zealand have announced that they will be getting in a batch of organic studios inks which will be for sale on their respective sites in the near future. Organic Studio isn't a well-known brand outside of the US, but it's been making waves recently for its Nitrogen Royal Blue ink. Uh, I know I have seen this all over. It's amazing. All over <laughs> It is group. glorious. Yeah. How, well, how, how would you describe the color, Chris? Is, is it worth okay. the hype? It, oh, absolutely. I, I, yes. 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 <laughs> um, I'm a sucker for sheen. I'm a sucker for glitter, shiny, 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 shiny. Um, I was lucky enough to get a sample of of this um, nitrogen ink. I immediately put it into a Pelican 805 uh, demonstrator, and it's amazing to to watch it. Right, uh, the sheen is already glistening. Um, You're doing the Italian kissing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking with my hands. Um, you know, it, it, it glistens on on the feed already before you even write onto onto the page. It's uh, this particular 805 from memory has um, has a medium, has a medium nib. So I can't even say that it's got a stub or a double broad to bring out you know the, the extra flow of ink, but it sheens. Straight away on the page. I've tried it on uh, Rodia, Clairefontaine, the Triumph um, range. I've even put it on normal reflex office paper. It sheens. It is beautiful. I want it. I'm getting two <laughs> bottles, not going to lie, and I can understand why it is out of stock absolutely everywhere. What colour is the sheen? 
V-shing off the red. <laughs> I would describe it almost as pink. It is, actually. Oh, I would, no, I'd argue it's red. See, on, on this note, I haven't tried it. I haven't seen it in person. But it looks like cartoon Ooh. magic. It you is. know, like it's the way that magic stink. gets coloured in cartoons. Yes. It looks like that. I've just been handed a pen full of it. Uh, so I'm going to sit here and scribble over while you guys are discussing whether yeah. it's a pink or red sheep. I'm, I'm, okay, I've got it here, man. That looks pink to me. I don't know what paper is that. Oh, that's a, a Midori MD diary. And we're in just kind of warm light, but I don't know. But you can understand why it's sold out everywhere. It, it, it's gorgeous. Is there, is there any K-Vats with the ink? Because I know a lot of a lot of other sheen inks can behave badly in pens. You know, I haven't counted any any feathering as of yet. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I haven't had any negative results from it. Um, it doesn't stain uh, the barrel so far in this 805. Uh, it holds well. I haven't had, like I said, I haven't had any feathering. Um, okay, that's good then. Yeah, like... It's glorious. It's amazing. It's a small price to pay, but yeah. it's gorgeous. But it's so pretty. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Everything's magic. In a way. Like, I'm not even actually in technically hosting this, but just to mention, I filled this Lamy All Star with it, and it sheened on my fingers mm. as I was trying to fill it up. It will sheen on everything. Oh, what's the GSM of your fingers? Um, <laughs> okay, let me just work out how fat my fingers are. Give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. There's been a lot of uh, focus on sheening inks lately, and I know yes. Robert Austin's been getting a lot of that. So, uh, what, what do you think about this uh, fire and ice? You know? Okay, so I've only yeah I've only seen pictures of it. I haven't been lucky enough to get my hands on fire and ice, um, but definitely I am all for basically having a battle of the sheens. Uh, I reckon that would be incredibly interesting to watch. Get it tested across different papers, different types, different um, different pens uh, for the sake of the nibs and, and whatnot. Um, so if anybody has a sample of uh, fire nose, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Sheen, sheen versus sheen is, is always very entertaining, um, especially if you've watched uh, uh, Hot Shots. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, at, at the moment, um, I've currently got in a, a Visconti Inkwell Yamadori, um, courtesy of Aiden at the moment. So what we've actually done is that we've decanted it into this Inkwell, You've let it evaporate um, over time. I actually don't remember how long it's gone for. Um, and it, it sheens like an absolute monster. So um, I'm curious to also see if uh, nitrogen will also evaporate and if it will just turn red. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there, there is a, there's a difference between seeing the ink on the day that you've laid it down mm. and then weeks later. Because yes. some inks change entirely. I know yes. um, I know, for example, uh, Montograph and Bordeaux was very underwhelming the day mm. that I put it on. And two okay, weeks later, to it. much more, mm. much more likable. Uh, but there you have it. Some uh, very glowing or uh, sheening, rather, reviews <laughs> uh, from our panel. Uh, try it out for yourselves. Uh, see, and we're contacting Renee uh, from Classic Pens New Zealand and James of Pensive Pens in Australia. Okay. Uh, now, you'll probably be hearing... Uh, this episode on August 15th or 16th, if you're an avid listener, uh, we have just uh, one more announcement. The monthly uh, Fountain Pens Oceania and Sydney Fountain Pen Meetup will be on this Saturday, August 19th. The venue is the Dove and Olive in Surrey Hills. Come along if you're in the area, grab a pint and meet some fellow 
Pen Fanatics. Uh, it's a good venue for me because it's like a five minute walk from my house. <laughs> but uh, Mike, uh, Sophia, and Christina, uh, I met all of you through uh, Fountain Pens Oceania and the Sydney Meets. Uh, how long has all this been going on? Uh, and tell our listeners about uh, what goes down at a meet. I've only been to two. So. Well, it's been going on for about two years now. I, yeah. I actually organized the first meet uh, back in the day in 2015. Um, that was at the pump house. There was about 10 of us. Um, Aiden was there, actually. He was. <laughs> the first one. Um, just because we want to see the growth of, of how many people attend, we have uh, was like a, a guest book, uh, which we encourage everybody to sign uh, with their pens. Um, just so, yeah, see these numbers grow uh, as we continue on. The most recent one had about 60 people, 60, yes. approximately. People just yeah. spilled out of the... We, yeah, we took the entire f- top floor of the venue <laughs> that we were at. And it was a lot. Yeah. I needed to go downstairs and take a breather. <laughs> <laughs> we were actually honestly surprised at how many people were there because the venue that we had actually... Like, the booking we had made was for 25 people. Mm. And yet that just completely ballooned mm. as soon as that just... And a lot of people... Um, who were frequently there weren't there, so it would have been a lot higher. Mm. This is Patrick, our audio technician talking. Hello, about. sorry, I should probably point that out. I was in the first episode, but yeah. But what should people expect at the meets? I, I think lots of pens, lots of pens, lots of photos, examples, examples, oh, everywhere. Homo sapiens, <laughs> and a lot of sailors as well. Um, but people kind of just break off into little groups. And they just bring out the pens and you just kind of walk around. Very laid back. Very, Mm. very laid back. Grab some food. Yes. Yeah, grab a drink. A lot of the time you'll get to try pens which, you know, may may seem a lot out of your range. I've tried uh, a few Nikaias um, Mm. at uh, one of these meets and, um, you know, like I don't really have any urgent, uh, (laughs) you know, urgent plans to to get one, but it's, uh, it's good to... You know, actually get your hands on it and write with it. Mm. It's a good place to try your grail. Yes. In particular, there are a lot of people who do have, like, very specific sort of tastes and ranges. Certain people who go for the Caran d'Ache, like Diana. Certain people have a lot more um, Graf on Faber-Castell. We actually have two members now who own Conid Giraffes, if that's your type of (laughs) shit. And, of course, everyone will have some layer of Visconti. Mm. Yes. Because that is the dream, apparently. Everyone is kind of a broad statement. Yeah. But that's the the whole point. We have a wide variety that you can come and try, and we're so open. It's very, very difficult to stay sort of closed and sort of more afraid Mm. of um, coming together because we just love to get to know you and what you love about fountain pens as well. Exactly. And just in terms of the demographic, you know, you've got people still in uni and then you know, yes. to work yeah. in a warehouse, retail. And um, some collectors who've been collecting for decades, yeah. decades, 30, 40 years. Yeah. Ink swaps too tend to happen yes. at the mix. It's a, it's a good way to try out something that you've uh, seen and you may not want to commit to a 50, uh, 50 mil bottle of. Well, uh, let's let's get to our recommendation segment. I, I, I want to stress that this is uh, not necessarily pen and paper related, but it, it can be if you like. Uh, let's... Uh, Recommend something that you are enjoying right now. TV shows, podcasts, uh, I mean, other than this one. Podcasts to listen to after you've listened to this one. 
Oh god, I've been addicted to anime again. I, I subscribed to Crunchyroll officially. <laughs> <laughs> and the first thing that got me back into it was season two of Food Wars. So I'm not too sure if you guys are into anime, um, but you know, it, it's Japanese, it's animated, and their storylines and their characters are just insane. So the, the basis of Food Wars is a bunch of teenagers come together, they learn how to cook, and every time they, uh, I guess, have their food judged, uh, people's clothes explode off their bodies. And it's like anime Iron Chef. Basically. Yeah, it's anime <laughs> Iron Chef with, with all the good stuff. Um, but the second thing I'm into is also called uh, Belzebub. So again, another teenage boy ends up taking care of a baby that ends up growing up to be a dark lord of hell. So, <laughs> so if you guys have some time, definitely check those two out. Okay. Um, I um, I just started watching Fargo, the TV show. I watched the movie years and years and years ago, and I got told good things about the TV show, and it is freaking intense. Um, I'm a bit late on the bandwagon, so I'm on the first season, but it is, I'm glued to it. Yeah. I'm going to run with the theme here with TV shows and whatnot. Um, Netflix, uh, a gift and the curse for, for many of us. Uh, at the present moment, I'm currently watching Beastmaster. <laughs> uh, it's hosted by Terry Crews. Um, not going to lie, I wish that man would take his shirt off sometimes just to get the potential. Yeah. Does he not take... I'm pretty sure he takes it off in everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in well, why chicks he didn't? No, sorry, yes he did. Yeah, I enjoy the fact that it is produced by Sylvester Stallone. Um, he, age is not happening well for that man. Oh, he looks um, like a wallet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he does. Um, Badly folded doona. Yes. Talking about the show, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So sorry. Back, back, back to yes. Back to Beastmaster. It's pretty much a, a series like um, was it American Ninja Ninja Warrior, um, except their obstacle course is in a dinosaur, um, and it's. I've noticed a trend with the, the competitors from around the world. So I, I, I just want to pull you up on something. Are they competing in a dinosaur, or is the actual course inside a huge, huge metal dinosaur? Okay, I just needed clarification. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, um, and, and everything is um, you know based on either it's beast blood or rib cage. Uh, I've noticed the trend is um, climbers, rock climbers especially, are winning, uh, winning the series. Um, I want Germany to win because, well. They're amazing at what, everything that they do. Uh, Fountain pens, especially. Yes, <laughs> yes, um, yeah. It's just great to watch. <laughs> All right, I will happily continue to rag on Sylvester Stallone because the, <laughs> because the man behind the uh, chaos cannot really be touched. He can't really be hurt by uh, podcast hosts. For a fountain pen niche community. <laughs> well, exactly. Let's just say that to cover our ass again. Yeah, well, in saying that, he also designs the own. Hang on, didn't he design a pen? It's a Vesta pen? The chaos. Yeah, the chaos. chaos. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Great. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I'm going to recommend a book because we have filmed, uh, not filmed, recorded multiple episodes and I've lost track of what we've uh, 
plugged. So uh, I'm going to recommend uh, A Confederacy of Dunces, which is a novel by John Kennedy Toole, and it is generally considered the the American uh, comedy novel. It is great. It is slow getting into. Uh, it is almost a, it is an almost painfully unlikable set of characters for the first quarter, and it very soon after that becomes uh, incredibly rewarding. Uh, a Confederacy of Dunces, John Kennedy Toole. Now, every episode we put out a new poll and invite our listeners to share what they think. Last episode's poll question was related to our special guests. We asked listeners, do pen shows need more of a focus on modern fountain pens? 83.3% said yes, and 16.7% said no. Guys, what do you think about this? I'm not surprised. No, not at all. Not surprised. Uh, the, the demographic of fountain pens, I believe, is changing. There's a, there's a younger audience reaching out for, for these pens uh, for their day-to-day you know, work um, and, and uni and studies and whatnot. Um, and with modern age, I feel that they're ease of use. They, you don't have to worry about um, what particular ink you're going to be putting it into, into a sack uh, with a, a cartridge converter. You can basically let it sit there for a little bit and you'll be right. Uh, the caps have gotten better. The ceiling has gotten better. Um, there, yes, yeah, so there's definitely a, a change uh, in how these pens are being used. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want my fountain pen to look like a spaceship. Yes. <laughs> Why not? If, if, I, if I had to boil it down to, to, the, to the key parts of it, then yeah, yeah spaceship. 3D is... printed. Make it into a spaceship and then make little whooshy sounds. <laughs> you also want your pen to work. Yeah. Yes. Not have to <laughs> take the time to you know, work, work out what you need, what sort of sealant you're going to use for it. Sure. It's, yeah. Well, it's like cars, you know. You you can enjoy a good vintage car. And restore it. Yes. <laughs> and restore it, but then you know, sometimes you just want to splurge a little bit, get yourself a new car, and know that you're going to have a great driving experience. So and if it doesn't work, you can always take it back to the manufacturer and fix it. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Because the company still exists. Yes. yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the latest poll question, which we're going to open up to you guys, is: Should cursive go the way of the dinosaurs? To vote and leave a comment on this poll, head over to our Facebook page at the Nib section. Results will be read out on our next episode, where we'll be speaking to a couple of calligraphers, as well as discussing how fountain pens has changed the way that we write. Uh, until next time, listeners, ink well. And thank you to our special hosts for appearing. Thank you. Once, thank once you. again, we've got <laughs> Mark and Sophia and Chrissy. Future episodes of the podcast can be found at thenibsection.podbean.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto iTunes, rate us, review us, recommend us to your friends. Want to share your thoughts on something that was discussed? Suggestions for future topics? Or just want to let us know how we're doing? We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at thenibsection at gmail.com. You can also comment at us uh, on the Nib Section Facebook page or at the Nib Section on Twitter. The Nib Section is the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Our producers for this episode were Diana Dye, Chuck Montano, Patrick Antolovich, and Denise Tang. Recording and editing was done by Patrick Antolovich and Denise Tang. Our music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith and artwork by Melissa Graff. Thank you very much for listening.